Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. What is the kingdom of God like? Well, the Lord Jesus in Matthew 13 revealed that the kingdom is like a tender, delicious herb and like bread made from fine flour. Both of these are good things to eat. But he goes on to reveal that the kingdom is also like a treasure hidden in the earth and a pearl worth selling all for. From something good to eat to a most precious treasure. This is the revelation of the kingdom of the heavens from Matthew 13. Bob Danker is here to help us explore this great mystery. Welcome back, Brother Bob. Well, Chris, again, it's a real pleasure to be with you to explore what you said rightly is a great mystery. It really is. And the parables given in Matthew 13 really are the parables of the mysteries of the kingdom. And what we see, if we have eyes to see, is that the reality of the kingdom is something much more organic than the outward appearance that the kingdom has assumed today in today's Christendom. Maybe you could review this for us, Bob. Well, yes, Chris. These first four parables in Matthew 13 are extremely enlightening, and they do show us these two things, as you mentioned. Firstly, they show us the inward reality of the kingdom. According to these parables, and these are the parable of the sower, the parable of the wheat and the tares, the parable of the mustard seed, and the parable of the fine flour. These four parables show us that the kingdom of the heavens is just Christ himself as a seed, a small seed, that has been sown into his true and genuine believers. And within them he grows, and then he produces within them, and he even makes them something that is good for food, something that can feed both God and man. In contrast to this, uh, we can see the activity of Satan in his subtlety to frustrate God from establishing his kingdom. Basically, what he has done is he has produced a great, gigantic religious system, which we may call Christianity or Christendom. And according to these parables, what we can see in this system is three main things. Number one, we can see the tares, that is, millions of false believers, those who are believers in name but not in reality. Then the second thing we can see from the parable of the mustard seed is a great organization, man-made organization with many enterprises and works carried out by men in the name of God, in the name of Jesus even. Then, finally, we can see in this great religious system called Christendom many evil things, pagan things, and heretical teachings as leaven that are mixed together with the things of God. This is the 
outward appearance of the kingdom which Satan has created in order to frustrate God. Mm. And of course, this outward appearance, as we've been seeing, Bob, in uh, these last few programs, is something uh, much in contrast with the inner reality of the kingdom, something that is genuine, as you said, it's organic, it's related to food and something nourishing for man and for God. And what we're going to see in this first section today is a striking parallel, a striking similarity with a verse that the Apostle Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me read this very short verse, and I think that's a good setup for our first portion of Witness Lee today. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's cultivated land, God's building. Let's join Witness Lee. God's intention is to have a people on this earth to be people of his kingdom. And these people must be something like food, which is good to satisfy both God and man. This is very, very clear. Then the enemy came in. (laughs) You see Satan's subtlety? Firstly, he put in the tear to frustrate the growth of the wheat. And secondly, he made the little herb to grow abnormally, to lose its uh, function. Then, anyhow, the wheat produces the grain, and the grain has been made into fine flour, which is very good for making uh, the loaf to satisfy God and man. Satan comes in to do the third thing, that is, to put in the leaven. And all these are related to the farm. Don't forget this. You are God's farm and you are God's building. The farm of God grows things. Eventually, all will become what? All become gold, silver, and precious stone. The basic thought of the whole Bible is what? Is life and building. Now, in these seven parables, what is basically revealed here is again life and building. Life is just Christ himself as the very seed sown into our humanity. And this life grows Christ within us. And this life grows Christ into the kingdom. This growing life eventually produces precious stones and pearls. Isn't this strange? It is exactly the same as 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You are God's farm to grow something. And you are God's building. And this building is built with gold, silver, and precious stones. Now, in Matthew, you also have God's farm, God's building. All the first four parables are related to God's farm, to grow Christ into the kingdom. Then, in the following two parables, the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl, indicating transformation to produce the precious materials for God's building. 
Well, Bob, as we pointed out, these first few parables of the mysteries of the kingdom are absolutely in the same line as these verses uh, that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. How about his assertion that this is the basic thought, not just of Corinthians 3, but of the entire Bible? Well, Chris, we can see from the Bible that God's ultimate goal is to obtain a building, because the Bible ends with the New Jerusalem, which is God's building. If you recall back in uh, the very beginning of Genesis, what we have there is a garden full of life. Uh, In this garden, we have the tree of life and the river of water of life, a flowing river. And the tree and and the flowing river are certainly things related to life. But then immediately after mentioning the river, it says that in the flow of this river, there were three precious materials, gold, delium, and onyx. These three materials are the very materials for the building of both the church and the new Jerusalem. So here in this picture, in the very beginning of the Bible, we can see that life is the procedure. God's desire is that man would receive God himself into him as his life. And then this life grows in man and operates in man to transform man into gold, pearl, and precious stones to be the very materials for the building up of God's dwelling place. And we can see this in both the Old Testament, and as uh, you pointed out and Witness Lee pointed out, we can see it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul said, you are God's farm, you are God's building, and then he went on to say that we need to build the church with gold, silver, right. and precious, precious stones. stones right. See, here are the materials again. And then at the end of the Bible, we see a city that is built with gold, pearl, and precious stones, and in this city is the tree of life and the river of water of life. What a clear picture that the whole Bible speaks about really one thing, and that is life and building. It's, Bob, it almost seems uh, ludicrous to pass over this in just uh, a few minutes and uh, just to leave this. We just talked about the kernel or the essence of the Bible cover to cover, bookend to bookend, the unifying thread through all 66 books composed over so many centuries with so many different uh, so-called writers, but one unifying vision, burden, thought developed from page one to the very end. It's stupendous, Bob, that life and building are really the focus of the entire divine revelation. Well, in this coming section, Bob, we're going to go further. Let's uh, carry on these verses now in Matthew 13 and at verse 44. We read, the kingdom of the heavens is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, and in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of the heavens is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Wonderful picture of our redemption. Let's join Witness Lee once again. After the Lord gave the first four parables showing where Christendom is. The Lord continued to give his disciples parables showing the treasure hidden in the earth. It's the kingdom. And the pearl produced out of the sea must be the church. Oh, the kingdom is really treasure to the Lord. So precious. 
And the church sure is a pearl to the Lord, so pretty, so dear. In the whole Bible, God, the Lord, is all the time after these two things. The kingdom and the church. The kingdom as the treasure and the church as the pearl. Even Ephesians 5 says Christ will present himself a uh, church without spot, without any wrinkle, blemish, and so forth. I tell you, that is a pearl. A pretty pearl, a beautiful pearl. The church is a pearl produced out of the Gentile world. We must spend more time to look into this. Verse 44, the kingdom of the heavens is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found. When he found this treasure, and when he hid it, have you noticed this? You do have these two words, found, hid. And after he found it and he hid it, he went in his joy and sold all he has. And when did Christ find the uh, treasure? And when did he uh, hide the treasure? When he came out to minister, he declared, Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. That was the starting of the time that he has found the treasure. He has found the kingdom. Then, when did he hide it? I tell you, from chapter 12. From that time, or just from chapter 13, he started to hide the treasure. He found it, and he hid it. And then he went to sell all what he had to buy not only the treasure, but the field. For the kingdom, for the treasure, Christ on the cross redeemed the earth created by God. If he is going to have the kingdom on this earth, he must redeem the earth back. The earth was damaged, polluted by Satan's fall and by man's sin. He went to sell whatever he had and bowed the earth. That means he sacrificed all he had on the cross to redeem the earth for the kingdom treasure. Today, on this earth, the Lord is after a beautiful church. That is the pearl. Well, Bob, these two parables in verses 44 through 46 reveal a couple of very meaningful points related to both the kingdom and the church. These verses say that he found the treasure, then hid it. Then he went and sold all that he had in order to buy both it and this pearl of tremendous, uh, indescribable value to him. Let's talk about the treasure and the pearl, what these two things represent, and what value the Lord places on these things. Yes, Chris, the treasure, as Witness Lee pointed out, represents the kingdom of the heavens. And the pearl uh, signifies the church because uh, the pearl is something that's produced out of the sea, and the sea in the Bible signifies the the Gentile world uh, under Satan's uh, corruption. 
and that the Lord produces the church as a precious pearl, mainly from among the Gentiles. But uh, it's important for us to see that in the whole Bible, we can realize God is really trying to gain these two things. He wants to have a kingdom, and he wants to have the church. And when we go again back to Genesis, we can see this quite clearly. When God created man, he created man in his own image and according to his own likeness, so that man could be his expression. And the man that God created was a corporate man, not just an individual. And this corporate man is a picture of the church as a corporate group of people who are uh, filled with the life of God and built together to be God's corporate expression. So we can see what God wants is the church. But then after God created man, he, he told this man to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and to have dominion over the earth. This surely indicates that God wanted to have a kingdom on the whole earth. So in throughout the Bible, we can see that God is trying to establish his kingdom and to build up a corporate expression of himself, which is the church. When we come to the New Testament, the Lord in his prayer in Matthew chapter 6 told us that we should pray, your kingdom come, as in heaven, so also on earth. This surely indicates that God's desire is that the earth would become his kingdom. And then in Ephesians, we can see, and also in the book of Acts, we can see that the Lord loved the church to such an extent that he purchased the church with his own blood, and now he is sanctifying the church so that the church can become glorious, a glorious bride that he will one day present to himself. So here again, you can see that what the Lord is after is the kingdom and the church. And then when you get to the end of the Bible, you have the New Jerusalem. And what is the New Jerusalem? The New Jerusalem is the kingdom, because the throne of God and of the Lamb are in that city. And also, the New Jerusalem is the consummation of the church, because the New Jerusalem is a glorious expression of God. So this is what God has been working to gain throughout all the centuries, and this is why the kingdom and the church are such a tremendous treasure to him. Bob, we're going to go on in this final section and look at the comparison here between the pearl and the treasure. It's quite striking. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The treasure, which is the very symbol of the kingdom, is something wrapped up with the earth because it is hidden, concealed within the earth. But the pearl which is the symbol of the church. It's altogether nothing to do with the earth. It is altogether something produced out of the sea, which is corrupted by Satan and condemned by God. But out of that, Satan corrupted and God condemned water. Such a pretty thing has been produced, not with the Satan corrupted the world, but with the God created earth. Not with the God condemned the world, but with the Christ redeemed earth. On the one hand, we are out of the world, and on the other hand, we are building something on this earth. We are building the kingdom of the heavens on this earth. Oh, 
thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will has to be done on this God created earth. And God's kingdom has to be established on this Christ redeemed earth. When the new Jerusalem comes, no more sea. Then how about the earth? The earth will be what? Renewed. No more sea. The earth renewed. And on that new earth will be the combination of the treasure and the pearl. And there will be the combination of the kingdom and the church. You have the treasure. No more hidden in the field, but built up on the surface of the field. Built up with the pearl. If you don't have the vision, you can see. We only have one entity. This one day, on the one hand, is the treasure. On the other hand, is the pearl. On the one hand, is the kingdom. On the other hand, is the church. It's wonderful. Well, Bob, as we've been enjoying the message, this is wonderful, isn't it? Yes. The treasure is related to the earth, and the pearl, of course, coming from an oyster, implies that the pearl has its source in the sea. This subtle difference is likely lost on most casual readers, but there is some real significance here, isn't there? Yes, Chris, we have to realize that the earth it was something that was created by God for his kingdom. But the sea in the Bible was produced out of God's judgment on Satan's rebellion. And so it is something negative. And in the Bible, the sea is used to signify the Satan-corrupted world. And, of course, through... Uh, Christ's redemption by the shedding of his blood, he has redeemed the earth, which became damaged and corrupted by Satan's rebellion and man's fall. He redeemed the earth. It's very interesting in this parable, it says that the man bought the field in which the treasure was hidden. So that means that the Lord redeemed the earth so that the earth could be recovered for God's kingdom. And then the Lord bought the pearl. That means the Lord redeemed the church, the people who were fallen into sin and became a part of the world under Satan's control. The Lord redeemed them and took them out of the world and transforms them by his life to be a precious pearl. This is, this is what we see here. So the earth is something of God and something that God needs for his kingdom. But the sea eventually, according to Revelation, the sea eventually will be no more. In the new heaven and new earth, there will be no more sea. God does not need the sea, but he needs the earth for his kingdom, for the treasure, and for the pearl. Well, as the distinction here is important, uh, right at the very end, he touched this matter that really, on the other hand, these two are one entity. Talk about that briefly. We only have a few seconds left. Yes, Chris. In the New Testament, uh, the, the Lord shows us that the kingdom and the church are really one. In Matthew 16, the Lord said, I will build my church. Then he said to Peter, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. So what does this mean? This means that the church and the kingdom are really one entity. So eventually we see at the end of the Bible, we have the new Jerusalem, which is built with gold, pearl, and precious stones, as we see in Revelation chapter 21. 
I wish we had more time to explore this aspect more, but we'll have to save it for another day. Bob, thanks again for being with us. Always uh, a real enjoyment. I look forward to coming again, Chris. Please join us again as we continue on and uh, get further down the road in Matthew. Go on to chapter 14 and beyond. Uh, right now, let me point out quickly our toll-free number and invite you to call us. It's one eight 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 life study That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you again for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.